Thanks for tuning in to Release City Church Online. We're all about loving God and loving people. If you're ever in our area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our live weekend worship experiences. For more information about service times and events, go to releasecitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Release City Church. We hope that today's message will encourage you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Now, let's check out today's message. Somebody say, no more shame. shame. Say, we have a hope. hope. What's his name? Say, no more shame. shame. He is our hope. hope. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Can we give it up for our young people one more time in the house? Our worship team for the the youth ministry. We're excited. Um, God is doing some amazing things. Cynthia. Um, who we've heard a lot from, uh, or and I shouldn't say a lot, but we've heard from uh, over the past few weeks. We're standing here. She will actually be joining the adult worship team uh, next week. So we're excited about what God, God is doing. How many are ready to dive into the Word today? Come on, somebody say, I'm show enough ready. I just took you to school, just took you to church. Not church, but church. I just took you to church. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, let's go. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, let's go to the book of John, chapter 8, beginning with verse 2, the book of John, that's New Testament, back of the book. Everybody loves it when we go to the New New Testament, Old Testament, we're like, um, let me hit that front page first and find out the page number. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I was the PK and I always hated when dad spoke from the Old Testament because people were looking to see if the pastor's son... Or actually, they were, you know how you cheat on a test, how you'd be looking for the answers, you'd be trying to see which way he's going. And that was the moment I go, oh, i got to go to the bathroom, I'll be right back, you know, and wait for somebody else, yeah. Show enough, show enough. Book of John, chapter 8. Now, this is a story that you're going to be very familiar with. This particular story is talked about a lot in churches and has been referenced quite a bit in messages and sermons throughout the years. Something that I've always said about uh, reading the Bible over and over. It's kind of like a good movie. You always find something that you missed the first time you watched it. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And um, so I just believe this morning the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us and show us uh, some things that we may have missed in the first episode of this story. Are you there? John chapter 8, beginning with verse 2, says this. Now early in the morning he came again, he meaning Jesus, came again into the temple and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees, this is the religious crowd, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Everybody say caught. Caught means she was show enough busted, like no cap. How many knows what I just said? Y'all said amen, but... um, I'm eating dinner with my family the other night, and those words came out of my daughter's mouth, no cap. It was like in a conversation. I know I'm getting away from the word, but I was like, what's wrong with the English language that has been around for all these years? What is no cap? It's like no kidding. So I've been looking for ways to insert no cap just so I, you know, no cap. She was caught, no cap. She was busted. All right, let me dive back in. I just thought I would throw that out there because some of y'all like, wait, what? No cap. She wasn't wearing a hat. Nope, she wasn't. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> Let's go back to the word. Yeah, so do I. And when they had set her, everybody say her. When they had set her in the midst, they, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Everybody say accuse. I'll come back to that later. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I don't remember who it was that was just up here <clears throat> a moment ago that had something, said something to do with the light. I think it might have been Brother Paul said something to do with the light. I believe that, well, his word says it. His word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And as long as we're a church and a ministry and a people that go to God's word for the source of light in the midst of darkness, you can't find light in darkness. By the way, today is the first day of our coming off our fast for 21 days. And I know many of you fasted social media. So let me go back to what I just said. You cannot find light in darkness. You must carry light to darkness. I'll let you read between the lines on that. So how many have heard this story before of the lady caught in adultery? Well, I want to unpack and, 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 and pull out... This thought, and it is my message title today, caught but not convicted. Caught but not convicted. If you're taking notes, write that down. Very, very important. So growing up in church, I've heard this story many, many times, but something that I, I never really realized is it, was, it always ended with verse 11. They stopped right there. And maybe because verse 12 uh, it seemed like such a, a different thing that was happening. But today we're going to add it back in and put it back into context and, and look at the complete picture, the full scope of this story. So let's break it down. First of all, I want you, and again, I, I encourage you to take notes. First of all, I want to give you four categories of people that we're dealing with in this very small story. The first group are the religious people. These are the scribes and Pharisees. These scribes are the ones who bring this woman who was caught in adultery. So that's the religious people. The second group that we're going to look at today is the woman who was actually caught in adultery. She's the second group. And I think for many of us, when we view things from a religious lens, we see a religious group and we see a sinful group. 
I'm speaking from the fact of when we have the lens of church, we automatically split and go, that's the sinful group and we're the, we're the group that's okay. We're the religious or the religious group and you have the sinful group. It's very easy for us as church people, whether we recognize it or not, to have the tendency to draw a line between us and them. I'm talking to church people today. The third category is the onlookers. That's also who was there. These are the people who were there, and they were just observing, trying to see what's going on. Have you ever saw a fight, students, at school? You saw a fight, and you immediately, everybody runs to the center of the, of the campus. Fight, 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 fight. Throw the punch, throw the punch. Quick, the teachers are coming, the teachers are coming. They are ob- observing hoping with their cameras that somebody would do something exciting so they can put it on their YouTube, their TikTok page so they can get likes. So they can get likes. You will never find light in dark places. The light that I'm referring to is the light of acceptance. We live in a very dark, dark world. And if we, don't put, if we don't turn on the light before we walk out, everywhere we go during that day will be dark. Who am I talking to today? We must turn and activate the light of God's presence, the light of His Word on in our life before we ever walk out the door. Somebody say, somebody say well, yeah, but Pastor B, my house is dark. I'm not talking about the power's off. I'm saying there's always something going on Then you need to seek the Father and, and speak peace over your home. One of the first things that I noticed as we moved into our parents' home was a little stain right over the top of the door, or the front door. And as you come over, you'll see that. It's where Dad anointed the doors. You got some extra virgin olive oil, got some Crisco, got some butter. Whatever it takes. Anoint your house and then turn that crap. Sorry. I know some people get offended when the pastor speaks freely and truthfully but I got to do it in a way that you can understand. We gotta, you can anoint your house, but if you still got the tube on, that, 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 that TV, with all that drama and junk going on, you might as well save your butter for a day of cooking. God fixed my problem, but you're not willing to give up the thing that started the problem. Oh, my goodness. So we have the religious group. We have the woman who was caught in adultery. We have the curious onlookers. And then the final person in this is Jesus. Now, one of the first things that I've noticed when this story is taught is pastors pull their sermon title straight out of the word. And normally it's a title, The Woman Caught in Adultery. But by doing that, what we tend to do is we, begin, we tend to make the woman caught in adultery the main subject. Somebody say, well, isn't she the main subject? No. She's not the main subject. The main subject of this story is Jesus. The goal of the religious people in this story was to catch Jesus, and they were using the woman to expose Jesus. Catch and expose. The religious people were all about it. Let me catch you in what you're doing so I can expose you so that I look like I've got it all together. And that is still happening today. 
The main subject is Jesus. I think it was Pastor George Kearns years and years ago said these words. Make, keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Why is this so important to understand and to do this? Because many of you in your life, you make the main subject you. You make the main subject of your story you. Because you've come to the conclusion that you're defined by your circumstances. I'm this way because of what happened to me. Somebody say release. This may have happened to you, but you don't have to stay that way. You can release that person who hurt you. Forgiveness isn't necessarily for them. The forgiveness is to release the lock and the bondage that you are in. That you now have, you're trapped in all of this hurt and unforgiveness. You make you and where you're at the main subject. In fact, if you'll think about it, most of us sitting here, our prayer life has everything to do with uno number one. Think about it. Father, I need help with this. God, help my car here. Father, help my wife to be able to help my husband, help my kids. Our prayer life is all about us. We go through life making the main attraction me. The story of your life when you become a Christian is no longer about you. It's not about you anymore. It's all about him. This is the time I'll give you the free opportunity to, to get up and walk away because you say, but I want it to be about me. Listen, I told somebody this weekend, you can do it God's way or you can do it your way. And it doesn't mean that if you walk out and do it your way that you can't somehow come back to the saving grace and knowledge and still have God's hand on your life. But his way isn't all, God's way isn't always easy, but it's easier than doing it your way. It may be a bumpy road, his way, but it's sloped, which means you're, you, you, have, you have help. But your way is always an upward slope, up, upward scale. Who am I talking to? It's not about you. Nudge your neighbor, tell him, say, it's not about me. See, y'all thought I was going to say it's not about you. Some of y'all spouses were waiting for the opportunity to look at your spouse and say, it's not about you. No, it's not about me. It's not about me. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. He's the main subject. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what do I mean? Now I define myself through his lens, how God sees me. I'm not the perfect husband. I'll never be the perfect daddy, and I'll never be the perfect friend. I'll never be the perfect pastor. But God sees me as the perfect husband, the perfect daddy, the perfect friend, and the perfect pastor. Because I need to start seeing myself the way God sees me, and so do you. Listen, when you define yourself through his lens, it's very different from defining yourself through the lens of the religious people. Because the religious people are always looking for the wrong in you. 
And I only say this because too often as the church we have, we have been guilty of tying the two lenses together. God's lens and the religious lens. Did you hear me? We, we, tried, we try to say this religious lens is really God's lens. That's funny. The Bible tells me that man looks on the outward, but God looks at the content of your heart. So let me unpack this just a little bit. There used to be an old song back in the day. Some of you may remember this song uh, or, or this group. Probably not. But the group's name or the gentleman's name was Mylon Lefevre. And the band's name was Broken Heart. And there was a song that got plastered on t-shirts when this song came out that was entitled, Love God and Hate Sin. But the thing that I want to point and bring to your attention today is this. Religious people have a tendency to hate sin rather than love people. I'm just scraping off the years and years of religious garbage that's what God's called me to do I want to reach people like Jesus reached people just being real too many times religious people have the tendency to hate sin and forget all about people religious people spend more time defining sin exposing sin working on sin while all the while they forget about people I know this is not popular for some of my brothers and sisters in the Lord who also share the gospel. But I'm trying to expose the enemy who has gotten us to believe that God is up there with a stick and every time I mess up, he's just whacking me over the head. Giving nobody the opportunity to get, actually get back up on their feet. So a lot of times the people didn't fall as far from grace as the church pushed them down. They might have had a chance if the people who stand behind the sacred desk actually gave them a chance. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. But I'll be doggone. If I'm going to let people on my watch feel undervalued, overused, and washed up because of something they did in their past. Your pastor has a past, just like you have a past. As a matter of fact, we were out to dinner with some friends last night, and, and their family, to me, I was raised around them, and and we've not really been in contact. And we, yeah, but not really gone out. And so there was a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> About 30 years worth of catching up. Somebody say, man, you some kind of friend. Don't judge me. <laughs> Drop the box. <laughs> and we just begin to share, you know, wh where, where we came from. Because people look at B and go, well, he was the PK. He had it all together. But, dude, when I, when I went to Georgia, I was like, Jonah in the whale, I was like, I don't know, I was all that. I was the prodigal son, I was all that. I, I did all that, so I just laid it all out there, and it was so funny, I stopped and it goes, it, it feels weird to even talk about this because that's not who I am. And it's not that I'm trying to draw attention because I'm proud of my sin, but I want people to understand that God still uses imperfect people. And so I don't feel dirty or disgusting. I don't, I don't talk about it a lot. 
But I will use it as an opportunity to let people know, not that they, there was anything wrong with them, but to let people know and people who may be listening at the table around us that God's in the business of restoring people. All they have to do is surrender. Surrender what? What you want to do. And start doing what he wants you to do. So let's get back to the story. So we've got Jesus sitting there teaching a group of people. And all of a sudden, a ruckus from behind him starts happening. The scribes and Pharisees are bringing this woman who is obviously shamed. She showed up knowing there was a death sentence on her life. She knew that. Because you know, I don't know if you've ever been around it, but when religious people feel like they got you on point, they got you on game, like they got you, they loud about it. So you know it wasn't no secret. They just walked into the room, separated him and her, snatched her. Whether they, she got to put her clothes on, I don't know. I've heard the story told many different ways, but all I know is they brought her, they caught her, they brought her, and there she is with Jesus. And you know on the way there, it, it wasn't like she's wondering what was going on. She knew. She had a death sentence on her life. And she was brought to Jesus by a bunch of people having stones. Here she is, Jesus. The law says she should be stoned. What do you say? See, they, were, they didn't care anything about her. They didn't care anything about the fact that you busted her. No cap. They did not care. They were trying to catch Jesus breaking the law. So what's Jesus do? He stoops down and begins to write in the dirt. What's he doing? Jesus, write this down, Jesus is ignoring her accusers just like he will ignore yours. Is he, listen, is he ignoring her sin? No, he's ignoring their attitude. Jesus is writing in the sand so they keep asking. They probably felt like they had Jesus because when they said, what do you say? And he stooped down. Because you know how you are when, you, when somebody's trying to pin you to the wall and you don't know what to say. You just kind of do something else. They thought they had Jesus. You can't have the one who has you. You can't get the one who got you. See, whether you accept him or not, Jesus paid the price for you and I. What happens next is so powerful to me. It says, then Jesus stands up. Listen, G what happened there? Jesus stood up in her defense, in the face of her accusers. I want you to know that God will defend you right in the middle of your accusers. Basically, what he said was, if you're so righteous, go for it. But if you're not, shut up. That's basically what he said. I know, I'm bringing out new vocabulary for a preacher, right? Be careful what lens you view me through. God's lens or the, the lens of religious traditions? Because I'll be blurry every time if you try to look at me through the lens of a religious tradition. I'll be real blurry. Listen, let me show you. This, what Jesus did is the picture, is the exact picture of a healthy church. And Release City Church is a healthy church. Just listening to everything that's happening when people who are sick are offering, can I help? Can I cook? Do you need me to run to CVS? Do you need me to go to the grocery store? What it, how can I? That's a healthy church. 
A healthy church is also a church that says, I don't care how you, you smell like a brewery, you come on in here. There's something that you need. They might be looking for a dollar, but we got something higher. His name is Jesus. It's the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not a religious organizational quote. It's not a religious organization quoting scripture. Hear me. I'm all for pointing out sin, but the problem is our attitude towards sin. When we become religious, we put more of an emphasis on the sin in the world than we do the people that Jesus came to rescue. Lean in and listen well. No matter who you are, where you are, or what you've done, the mission of this church is to bring you and anybody else to Jesus. If that religious crowd did anything right, the one thing they did right was they brought her to church. But the motivation behind it was jaded. It was wrong. We will always be a people and a, and a family of believers that, that we're not pointing people to a pastor. We're not pointing people to musicians or singers. We're pointing people to Jesus. Even through speaking and singing, what we're doing is we're saying, I am imperfect, but Jesus sees me as perfect, and he is doing a work in me from the inside. You can't see it yet, but he's doing something on the inside. One day you'll see it in its completion. That's all we're doing. And we're saying, you, you can't get it in a book. You can get tools and, and things to, 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 to help manage, but it's only the presence of God and your surrender that will strengthen you and bring light into your dark situation. Jesus said, go ahead, stoner. The Bible says that they were convicted by their own conscience. See, a lot of people say they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. Said they were convicted by their own conscience because they already knew. They knew. Their motives were wrong. See, truth will always expose wrong motives. I don't have to point it out. That was wrong. You should No. Truth will reveal the motive of our heart and the intent of our heart. Basically, what Jesus was saying to that religious crowd in that moment, he said, oh, you can quote all the scripture you want, but did you care to read the rest of the chapter? It says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So before you pick up that boulder, I know, but ain't everything for public consumption. I have to, I have to, just sometimes. Listen, there's a lady standing here before Jesus. She came with a death sentence. When they walked away, Jesus, stand, when they walked away, when they dropped their rocks and split, Jesus stands up again, walks over and asks, ma'am, where are your accusers? There are none, Lord. Listen, there is something to be said about the moment when you are standing in the shame of your own guilt and pain and Jesus steps up and pushes everybody out of the way that's trying to pull you down. There's something to be said. And that's what Jesus did then and that's still what he's doing today. The next point I want to bring out is this. Jesus will stand with you when you're alone in your shame. Jesus has got your back. Nudge your neighbor, tell him, say, he's got your back. Tell somebody else, say, he's got your back. Why? Because you're not the subject of the story. Jesus is. 
So here's Jesus standing with her, recognizing what Moses said. But Jesus said, I'm not accusing you either. She's thinking, but wait, I'm guilty. Basically, what Jesus was saying was, when I stand with you, your guilt has been transferred to me. When I stand, when Jesus stands beside me, me, when Jesus stands beside me, all of my guilt and shame from way back then, 30 years ago, if I, if I don't stay close, listen, if I don't stay close to him, that, the, ah, which way do I go? If you are away from him, the enemy's always present. He can't come around when you're next to the Father. Are you following me? So if you're hearing the voice of the enemy, and what's that sound like? The accuser of the brethren. That's the enemy. That's what the Bible says. So if that's what you're hearing, you don't even have to look where you're standing. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're nowhere near the Father. So run to the Father. And when you're standing beside him, all of that shame and guilt is transferred to God's Son, Jesus. It's transferred. It's been transferred. And you can be set free. You're already set free, but our minds aren't set free because we're still believing all the garbage about how bad and what I did and who I slept with and how many times and who, huh? I'm just, just being real. Someone said, we need to hear Pastor B's story. No, you don't. What's that movie line? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. But Jesus did. Jesus did. In closing, let me go back to verse 9 as Seth is coming. It says this, And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? There she was, caught in adultery. What was really going on? She was trying to find something to bring her satisfaction. That act of adultery. What she was doing, she was trying to find satisfaction. And what Jesus basically was saying, when you stand with me, you'll have all the satisfaction you need. Where are you trying to find satisfaction today? What are you trying to do to find comfort, peace, joy? He was saying, you don't need to go there anymore. You don't need to do that anymore. He said, you're free. Now go. The story isn't about Jesus invoking some religious plan. The story has always been about Jesus saying, Come to me and you will find power to overcome that thing, that sin in your life. Just come to me and I will give you rest. We drink ourselves to sleep with all kinds of substances. And we shoot ourselves up and we pop pills because we're trying to find peace. And Jesus is saying, if you will come to me, I will give you peace. Sustaining peace. A pill only lasts for a little bit. It's a fix. It's not a solution. God sent his solution. His name is Jesus.
Jesus was saying it to that crowd that day when he said in verse 12 then Jesus spoke to them again and saying I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life Jesus was saying it to them and he's saying it to us today he's saying church it's not about accusing and exposing people's sin it's about bringing people to me I'm the light too many too many churches I, I just want to be careful because I don't want people to think I'm throwing jabs too many churches feel like they are the light sent to expose the world's sins no my responsibility is to bring you to Jesus light always exposes darkness come on somebody light always exposes all I got to do is bring you in the presence of the light It'll expose everything. I don't have I don't have to work. I don't have to. I don't have to. Light does that. That's his job. My job is to put you in front of in front of him. And the day that I stop doing that will be the day that God says, You're I, you're you done. Only if I refuse to change. See how I change that? somebody said but I thought you said he's a, he, he is grace but if I'm dead set that I'm going to do it my way he'll be there with me but he'll, he'll be he won't, will not be as close as he used to be and the further that I walk there's some places the Holy Spirit will not go into buddies bubbas I don't know what this stinking thing's called the bar the club the back seat, the front seat, the bedroom. There are some places the Holy Spirit will not go. And when you go, you're on your own. And then wonder why you feel all alone. So my responsibility today, I hope, I've, I, hope I did it. Well done. Is to bring you to the light. How is your life defined today? Is your life defined by what you've done, where you've been, and where you are? Or is your life defined through the lens of how Jesus sees you right where you are? No doubt in my mind that that woman caught in adultery, just a few, I don't know the time frame, but there's no doubt in my mind that she was not at the foot of the cross. No doubt. I don't know that it's there. But when he said, go and sin no more, he cleaned her slate. He accepted the exposure and the sin that she, he took that on. There's no doubt in my mind as she stood at the foot of the cross. That's the man. He stood up for me. When the religious people, which are the same ones that crucified Jesus, in case you didn't know. And they're still trying to crucify today. There's no doubt in my mind that she said, that's the man who stood up for me. Stop! He's the same one who died on the cross for you. If you're here today, and you say, I have, I have sinned. I have, I have things in my life that God would not be proud of. 
And today I want to ask for forgiveness. I'm not asking you what you did. I don't care what you did. And neither does Jesus. But in this moment, I got five minutes. In this moment, you are going to be set free. He will set you free. But whether you stay there or not depends on you with wherever you stay. Did you hear me? You can stay free because it's not a one-time prayer. It's a daily decision that I'm going to stay in the light. That means I may have to turn off some areas in my life that bring darkness. More than just 21 days. I'm not talking about social media. I'm just saying whatever it is, you're going to have to do more and it's going to have to be daily. So if you're here today... I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you're here and you say, I, I, I have some things that I, I, I need to, say, to let God know. He can have this stuff. I, I'm tired of it. it it's, only, it's only a fix. It's not, it, it's not a solution. And I need a solution. I need to be set free. I'm tired of hearing these voices that I'm not worth enough. And nobody cares. I want, I want to hear his voice. There'll be a spiritual unstopping this morning. On the count of three, if that's you, shoot your hand up just as fast as you can. One, two, three. Keep it up. All over this room. Keep them up. Keep them up. So let's say this together. God, right now, I confess. I sin. You know it. I know it. It's no secret. And right now, I repent. I I don't just ask for forgiveness. I don't just ask for forgiveness. But I turn away now. I turn away now. Forgive me. Make me new. Make me whole. And put a passion inside of me to get to the light every day. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. Thanks again for listening today. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, consider giving a financial gift to help us bring the hope of Jesus to more people. You can give online at releasecitychurch.org forward slash give. Remember, you matter, we care, and Jesus loves you. Have a great day.